Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good. Damn it, Jordan. God. Damn it, Jay. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. It is Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. Y'all decided to wake y'all asses up with Ray G. I am glad you are here. We got to talk about this 2022 class, and we are going to be negative today. The entire show, negative, negative, negative. Why or should we be selling the 2022 class? I'm excited to get into it. We are excited to do this. Brought to our partners, our friends, our people, Prize Picks. Use the promo code WAKEUP for an instant deposit match for first time depositors, dollar for dollar, up to a hundo. And then you can watch the uh, presumed NBA MVP go out there and just shit the bed two games in a row versus the Golden State Warriors. Jay, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Happy to be here. Yeah, you you had to throw Jokic out there. You had to throw him I under the bus. To, Just, I had to. Got into a little bit of foul trouble. Hey, you know, I mean, I'm I'm more upset about the fouls called in the Philly game. You know, people know I'm from Toronto. I was rooting for the Raptors. But what are you gonna do, man? Honestly, at the end of the day, it's all about Jalen Brunson's man. It's his world. We're just living in it. Dropped forty. Man. Joker, man, the Joker, man. First of all, Jay, your your mic is cutting in and out. Don't know what's going on. You were talking about mine at the beginning of the show, but you're cutting in and out. Um, hmm. Joker's supposed to win MVP this year, and he's been terrible on the court for for Denver. I think he's like minus forty five in two games. Uh, he's got a they, they they are just causing problems, man. When they roll out Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson, like I was watching that game last night. I'm just so in to the NBA playoffs right now. Like, we're we're betting all this shit. We got all these models and data-driven stuff. Joker was on his way to cashing his fantasy score. He gets in his feelings, gets ejected um, with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Joel Embiid continues to ball. Philadelphia looks unstoppable. And then your Toronto Raptors, man. They just out there just getting killed, man. Your Raptors looking bad, Jay. Looking bad. Undermanned. I mean, when Joel Embiid takes out three of our players in the first game, what are you going to do, man? This guy took out Scotty Barnes. He almost took out that young Gary Trent's trying to have his version of the flu yeah. game. Ends up only playing 10 minutes. I mean, they're just undermanned against this team. And, and, and what's crazy is that you watch it and James Harden is doing nothing out there. Like he's just letting Tyrese Maxey run the show. He's dishing it a little bit. He's shooting every once in a while, but he's honestly doing nothing. And there is nothing the Raptors can do. It's, uh, it's sad to see. If everyone was there, they'd have a shot. But I think without, you know, Scotty Barnes in there, I think they got pretty much no shot to beat Philly, unfortunately. Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, first guard to win it since Gary Payton. What is it, 95, 96, 96, 97? What do you think about Smart getting that? Uh, uh, the, I looked at the superlatives for the NBA end of the season. No Jordan Poole in the six-man voting. 
Um, oh, well, he started too many I games. Know. That that's that's interesting debate, right? Because because you know I called Pool for six man did. of the year. That you was the guy I thought. You that's did. the guy I thought could win it. And what's even crazier is that there. My buddy was talking about it, and for some reason, Jaw is more than likely going to be most improved player, right? Over Pool, who was a G leaguer last year, barely even played any minutes. Yeah, couldn't really even score. This guy literally filled in for Steph Curry. And the Golden State Warriors did not miss a beat. And for some reason, the number two overall pick last year and rookie of the year is the most yeah, improved player in the NBA. Yeah. It just it doesn't sit right with me, man. It's crazy. But to go yeah. back to Smart, I think this is a bigger story because of what happened at the end of game one. So you think about what happened where Smart was guarding Kyrie. Now he wins Defensive Player of the Year. Now the Boston fans have even more fuel to throw at Kyrie in Game 2. Um, I, I'm not surprised. You know, Smart's been a great defender from the time he got drafted. It's his offensive game that's really developed over time. But um, I, I'm excited for him, and I'm excited for that series, man. Boston and Brooklyn, they go tonight, I believe, too. So it's going to be a, yep. it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, we get yeah the John Morant thing. Like you said, number two overall pick, Rookie of the Year, and then gets most Supposed to be good. Yeah, he's supposed to be good. I don't. Uh, Jaw's dope. Don't we? <laughs> trust. We are not arguing the greatness of Jaw, but most improved that they seem like they were a little lazy with that one. I think it 100% G League to. I mean, it is, and I'm just asking the question: Is Jordan Poole a future All Star? I'm watching him last night, bro. 100%. 100%. Okay, you think so? 100%. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to jump the gun, but he's he's all like Andrew Wiggins was an All Star starter. I know. Well, you you think. Well, you think about you think about from the aspect of playing on Golden State, that will get him to the All Star game because when it comes down to it, and they have the voting, it, the difficult difficulty for him is that he's a guard, right? So he'll be competing with Luca, he'll be competing with you know even CJ McCollum and John Morant and all these other really talented guards in in the West. So that's where it will be difficult on top of already having to overcome Clay and Steph, right, to get in on the votes. But we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Listen, man, we like all sports, all of it. All of it. We like basketball. We like football. That's what we like. This is not wake up and just talk football 24. What, 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 what are we going to talk about? What are we, we're going to talk about the same shit we've been talking about. We like all sports. We we show love to football, to basketball. We ain't going to talk too much baseball here, but we, we talk in all sports. And God damn it, when track and field starts and Usain Bolt pops out of nowhere, we'll be talking about him too. We talk all sports because that's what we like to do when we wake up. We will get to football, but right now the NBA playoffs is what's hot. That's what's going down right now, and that's what we like, damn it. So we're going to talk a little bit of everything. It is NBA playoffs but we're going to get into the football stuff, but we want to talk some basketball right now for a few minutes. Give us eight minutes, Mike. Give us eight minutes. Can we have eight minutes, Mike? Eight minutes, big dog. Just eight. Eight. That's all we want to talk about. All right. Now, is there anything else from the NBA you want to touch? Because I'm into it. And yes, Anthony Edwards, dope. I saw Cody talk about him. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball. Jay, which one? And we ain't talking hot. Oh, hell no. oh wow. That's mm, Anthony that's Edwards, funny. LaMelo Ball. I'm I'm leaning more towards Edwards. I really am. I, I think I think that I still believe that Melo can be the better player, but I don't think Melo can be a better winner, right? I always thought Anthony Edwards would be the guy who really wouldn't be the one who could take a team, but he's he's showing he can lead a team, right? And he really is. And he's not the leader, but he's showing that he can lead a team when with uh, scoring and just kind of with playmaking. So 
I'm I'm coming around to Anthony Edwards for sure. Definitely coming I around. I love to Anthony. I love Mike. Hey, did you see Mike's comment? He said, "My bad, man. I got I got it. I'm impatient. <laughs> it's not my strong suit. Love y'all, man. But now nah, we are going to talk about. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have. We we've got to have a conversation, y'all, about 2022. And I said it at the beginning. This entire show, we're going to be negative. We are going to talk about why we should just be tapping out of this entire class, right? And I'm not saying this is how I feel or how Jordan feels, but there are league mates out there that feel like uh, like we should be pivoting. There are some analysts who say, fade this entire 2022 class. Like, it's just, it's not good. Now, we did this shit back in 2019, right? We, we Everybody talked about how bad 2019 was with Sanders and David Montgomery and uh, who else was in that class? I don't think that was the Daniel Jones class. Was 2019 the Daniel Jones class? I think it was. I think 2019 was Daniel Jones because he was going like in the third round. Really? Drafts. Yeah, I believe it was 2019 was the Daniel Jones class because 2018 was Saquon Barkley, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen class. So I think 2019 was the Daniel Jones class. But we did that in 2019, and you would have missed out on Deontay Johnson. You would have missed out on DK Metcalf and 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 Terry McLaurin and, and all of those guys. But we've been talking uh, privately in the Discord, patreon.com forward slash all gas, about like cutoff points. Jay, we've talked about it. We had Scott Connor on um, in the Discord, and we he, he always asked me, Ray, where are you out? Like, where's the cutoff point for where you're just like, out of this class like is it 103 is it 104 and I don't want to speak for the great Connor but I think I think his cutoff point Jay was like he told me like 104 105 and he would be out yeah of this class and you know I've I'm, I'm looking at some of the greatest sourced information on the planet uh provided by keep trade cut I'm looking at some of the stuff and just where these rookies are valued at amongst the NFL veteran peers and I go back to last year where Trevor Lawrence was literally a first-round dynasty startup pick, right? And we've talked about him at nauseum on here, where people were taking Najee Harris the same way they were valuing Ezekiel Elliott in 2016 when he came out of Ohio State as a top running back in dynasty. And then I'm looking at the, the, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the running backs from 2022, and we're just not seeing that same level of enthusiasm, that same level of hype. For these guys. And I ask you, and we didn't talk about this pre-show, but I just want your opinion. What makes a strong class? Like what position has to be strong to to make the class good or to make the class strong? Is it quarterback? Is it running back? Is it tight end? Because I would argue to say that if it's if it's if it's quarterback and running back, well, that's not this one, right? Like that's just not this one. Uh I, I believe personally. The strength is in the wide receiver group, but we know historically it's so damn hard to get the wide receivers right. Like, it's just the hit rate on those guys, it's just, it's very low. And it normally takes receivers some time. They don't come in right away and do what Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase did. Uh, But just what makes a strong class for you? When you're looking at the class as a whole, Jay, what, what do you say, man, that's a strong class? I think you have to have two premium position groups, right? So with that being said, I'm talking anything but tight end. So in this class in particular, we see a pretty strong wide receiver class, but we really don't see a ton from the running backs, don't see a ton from the wide receivers, right? Or sorry, a ton from the quarterbacks. Last year, you see, you know, 
some running backs and then you see some wide receivers and but you see some really high-end quarterbacks and that's kind of what made it a strong class i think at the end of the day just like in the nfl the class is driven by the quarterbacks right as much as as much as we like running backs and they're kind of the staple of fantasy football i think a true like really strong draft class is when you have really strong talented quarterbacks and that's what we had last year and then you go back to 2017 when you had a really really strong running back class in 2020 when we were supposed to have a really really strong running back class and we had a, some really strong quarterbacks on top of that. So I think it just comes down to you want to have two. You want to have two of the three positional groups appear to be strong. But this doesn't just come down to volume and and all these things. It's it's a lot of things like prospect pedigree too, right? We don't even in this class we don't have a ton of high end prospects that have been high end prospects for a long time coming into this draft class. The Spencer Rattlers, the QB ones, are not in this draft class because they're not going to be drafted where we expect them to be. So for me, I think it comes down to is it's the depth, which is one aspect of it, but as well, I think you need those high-end prospects to make it feel stronger than it really is, and that's what this class is really lacking. You know, we have Garrett Wilson as probably the lone really high-end prospect, five-star wide receiver, Ohio State, great profile, but outside of that, you know, Brees Hall was extremely talented, broke out really early, but he wasn't a five-star prospect either. So I'm not saying you need five-star guys, but you having those profiles that go and check all these boxes, we don't have a ton of those in this class. I think that's what makes it seem a little bit weaker than it is. I don't care much for tight end, but I think that yeah, they, you know yeah. they can help make they can help make a class be a little bit better nah, than it man. seems. And this doesn't help at all. Yeah, I, I think that only happens when you have a Kyle Pitts level prospect, man. You, I, I can't, I can't remember in recent memory where people were just like, "Man, the tight ends in this class are just so fucking good, man." We got to have a well, a pick actually. Here. But you got to remember, there was like the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David and Joku. That's three tight ends in the first round, right? And then you have Fant yeah, and okay. Hawkinson, right? Again, more right. first round tight ends. We don't have any this year, and, and and not to say that it makes it drastically better, but it can help aid what seems like. A less than class having some first round right. tight ends that have some potential right i think it can make it seem better than it is but overall it doesn't move the needle entirely for me so i'm, I'm looking i'm using listen i i'm just i'm using it because this is what people use i'm looking at keep trade cut right looking at the dynasty quarterback rankings or where they've got these guys ranked and i'm looking at where they have malik willis and where they have matt corral and desmond ritter and sam howe here are the players that these guys are, are sandwiched between. So most people's QB1 in this class is Malik Willis, Jay. And they've got Malik Willis at QB19 in between Tua and Zach Wilson, ahead of Kirk Cousins and Davis Mills, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston. Like, that's QB1, right? QB2, per this, per crowdsource data, is Kenny Pickett, you know? And he's, again... Only really ahead of Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield of current NFL starters. Uh, you know, Sam Howell behind Daniel Jones. Like, we're just – these dudes are almost already being valued in, in no man's – this is this isn't where I would have them ranked, but this is where the community are valuing these valuing these quarterbacks, man. Um and Jazz said, I hate keep trade. I guess I just don't, I don't understand it, man. I get on there and I'm just, I don't give a shit. Just, I don't know any of these players. Skip, let me just look at the information. But I think it is, it is a tool to use to see how everybody else feels about these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, just to get mm -hmm. it, just to get, because I guarantee you, next year when we look at this, next year, 
uh, April 20th of, of 2023, the top quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, uh, potentially Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, I guarantee you they're not going to be valued amongst the community the way that these guys are. They'll be much higher. So let's, 100%. let's just... So in, in this vein, somebody asked, I think it was Roe, said, are, are, are Malik Willis, or maybe it was Marlon, it was Malik Willis and, and Kenny Pickett, are they that bad? Mm. I, I, don't, I don't think they're that bad. I just don't know how good they are. You know what I mean? I know, I know that's kind of like pulling on two ends of the, uh, of the spectrum here, but I think we all thought that Justin Fields, and still think that Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, so there are some Zach Wilson believers still out there. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Mac Jones. I think we all feel good, or at least a lot better about those guys going into year two than we do any of these quarterbacks in 2022 going in as rookies and potentially landing in spots where they may be forced to start. You know, we, we talked all that shit about Kenny Pickett maybe being the most pro-ready. Do you Do you want to throw him out there? Behind Pittsburgh's offensive line year one or or Seattle or Carolina, whose offensive line isn't good, like is that going to yield positive return for for your rookie quarterback who I mean, Liberty quarterback, one year wonder at Pittsburgh, uh just inaccurate Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Sam Howe seems to have the best profile out of these guys, but mm-hmm. we're still kinda like, I don't know. And then Matt Corral, at least he did it for two years in the SEC. For me, what makes a strong class is uh, th- there need to be there needs to be a couple, like three or four, like elite level prospects. And we had that last year, elite level from from fantasy scoring perspective. We knew Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris. We knew those three skill position guys were going to be pretty damn good once they matriculated onto the NFL. And then we had five quarterbacks go within the top 15, three of them within like one, two, three. It was Lawrence, Wilson, uh, you know, Trey Lance that was traded up for. Then you had uh, Justin Fields inside the top 15 and Mac Jones going at 15. I'm just, I'm looking at this and I'm trying, and this show is is negative. Like if it were me, I I think there, how many players are must have, in your opinion, from this class for you right now like must must have if you don't get this player you're walking away like damn man like I like last year there were multiple guys I thought like you know Pitts and Chase and I even had Devontae Smith up there and I, I look at Smitty right who some people thought was the wide receiver three or four in last year's class where would Devontae Smith rank amongst this class with Wilson with London with his production number one you, it, like he'd be no doubt number one. one it's not right? even close. Like he'd be no mm-hmm. doubt one. Where would Mac Jones be in this class? Where would Mac Jones be in this class? He, I mean, realistically, he'd probably one, be two, number one. Like one, he, I think he'd be one. I think he produced be better than Pickett, right? And I think he, you compare him and Pickett, he produced higher than Pickett. It's just, do people still prefer the ceiling of Malik over? you know, Mac Jones, and probably not because of the competition, the pedigree, all those things, right? But Ray, I think where you make a really good point is like that, to answer your question, I think there's only one guy. Mm. And, you know, I can make the case for Garrett Wilson. I think there's a lot of things working in his favor. I know he's not everyone's favorite prospect, but he is still a five-star receiver. He still has does have the Ohio State pedigree. He still did produce at a high level as a sophomore, came in as a freshman, performed, oh, performed fairly well. He didn't get on the field a ton, but... 
I think Brees is the only guy you you have to have. If you don't get Brees, you know, you're kind of settling for some of these other guys. And that's why I think I'm I'm fine. If your cutoff is four, you know, maybe you want the Q, your QB one, you want one or two of the wide receivers, and you want Brees. You know, you, you, maybe it's Drake London and Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and maybe it's Malik Willis for you. I, I'm fine if that's your cutoff point. But if we're talking must-haves, there isn't a single prospect that compares to a high-end prospect from last year. And Brees Hall is the closest. And I think if you want to be really nitpicky about it, he's still a big 12. Yeah, he's still a big 12 running yeah. back, right? At the end of the day, he's not playing in the SEC. He's not even playing in the Big Ten. Bro. Not to say that he's not super talented, but 12, if you're going to give him some, a knock. some decent running backs out of the Big 12. You've got DeMarco Murray, Big 12 running back. <laughs> you going way back, though. We're talking about recent history. David we we like SEC running backs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, Breeze Hall, I, the next I, David Montgomery. Great. That's no, that's what no. we're looking for at 101. But more importantly, right, I think that we're going to see that. what happens. It's it's true though. Breeze Hall end of list. It's I yeah. think that's just what it is. And and if we're being negative about the class and thinking about it from a what do we want out of this? They don't have the high end upside. They don't necessarily have the ceiling. Situation changes a lot. Justin Jefferson was a back end first round pick in a strong class that turned out to be a one B receiver in the NFL. So again, it just comes down to is this class isn't overly strong and how do we react to that? And for me, I think it's just I'm not going to have a ton of picks in this draft class. I'll be trading them for future years because I th- believe in what's coming in the later years. Instead of trying to make it work with this class, assuming they get a good landing spot, I am fine with moving off of this class and getting assets that I think can return a higher yield due to a higher ceiling in the following class, right? So it brings up that overall ceiling of the class. You know, this is the this is the this is the catch 22, right? Uh, what happens when we all fade this class and it turns out to be – that's what we kind of led with. Like, we did this in 2019 with those guys. There are going to be guys that hit. There's no doubt. There's, there's going to be guys that hit. Uh, my, my fear is – here's my fear. And this is this, – I know we engagement farm with the, uh, with the thumbnail, but here's, here's, a real, here's a real fear. We see six or seven first-round wide receivers, right? We see six or seven of these guys going round one, which – I think it's a real possibility, Jay, that we see that many wide receivers go in the first round of the NFL draft. What's going to happen is we are going to bump these wide receivers way up rookie drafts. They're going to be coming yep. off the board. It's prob- like Even in Superflex, it probably could go, I can easily see it going, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, then Malik Willis, then Chris Olave yep. to Green Bay, then Matt Corral, then Traylon Burks, and then Christian Watson gets a good landing spot to Kansas City. Like, we can see in rookie drafts for the first time, like five or six guys inside the top 10 at wide receiver. And we just know that historically, the hit rate, even on first round pick wide receivers, is so incredibly low. I don't know if I want to roll that dice with these guys. And I'm looking at where the community has them valued, man. Um, right now, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Traylon Burks are back to back to back. There's Mike Evans right in between Burks, and then it's Jamison Williams. Then it's Amon Ross St. Brown and Chris Olave, valued as wide receiver 27. So you've got one, two, three, four, five rookie wide receivers valued as top 27 dynasty wideouts. Some players going after Chris Olave. Let's just let's just start with Chris Olave. Keenan Allen, Hollywood Brown, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk, Darnell Mooney, Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, all going behind Chris Olave 
and Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. I, I, I'm I'm just I'm asking you, Jay. I'm asking you. Would you rather have 26-year-old Cortland Southern, Cortland Sutton, tethered to Russell Wilson, Darnell Mooney, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Mike Williams, who just got a contract extension, and you know I, I get it, he's 27 years old, or or do you want Chris Olave just because he's the young, the young shiny, shiny new wide receiver, the shiny new toy? I'm I'm just asking you, which one? Like, would you want any of those wide receivers instead of Chris Olave? Yeah, I think I'd want most of them, right? And realistically, it's because of what what I project Chris Olave to be. But I think the better, the greater point for me is that I think that people aren't realizing that while yes, there's going to be six or seven wide receivers that are first round picks. I wouldn't lean all the way into the hit rate data. And the reason why is because at the end of the day, receivers have to go in the first round. Teams don't have a choice. And it's no different than the quarterbacks, right? The quarterbacks, no one likes this class. No one thinks anyone deserves to be a first-round pick. But they're going to go in the first round. It's just inevitable. But that doesn't mean they're better prospects simply because they went in the first round. I think that's that's a point I wanted to bring up for this show. But to answer your question, I think it comes down to is who is this court, this wide receiver tied to, right? If you can get Allen Robinson tied to Matt Stafford, it's probably a better bet man, than some of these I, other I, guys. I, Jay, I'm just telling you straight up, man. The way that I dynasty right now, even if it's only a three-year window, bro, I'm taking A-Rob over damn near every one of those rookies, man. Like, what? Yeah. I, I, I just am. Like, I, I just am. Like, and we've talked about this. We did the exercise the other day where I took my longest running dynasty league, right, going into year six, year seven. I've got one player on my roster that I drafted in the in the initial startup. One. And it's a quarterback. It's Dak Prescott. Everybody, every other player on my roster, 35 deep, were either acquired by waivers, trades, got them from somewhere else. I'm 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 looking at this thing in a three year window, man. I, I'm I'm looking. I'm in leagues Captain. now with you know some of the the heavy hitters, Evan Silva, Grant. We're damn near about to shut a league down after a year and a half because people are just <laughs> disinterested, right? And these are these are industry folks, big names, man. Like, and I did that youth movement shit and taking Zach Wilson and all these. And now I'm sitting there looking at like I just donated for two years because it's. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, man, like it, it's what what is your dynasty appetite, right? Like I'm sitting on the clock and I saw Jasmine talk about this earlier. She's like, this class stinks, but I'm still not trading the 107 until the draft. I'm not telling you to trade that trade those picks now. If anything, this is the absolute worst time to trade it. Like you've you've held them for this long. Just fucking wait. The draft is next week. Wait until some of these receivers get awesome landing spots. And we really don't believe in the talent, but Calvin Austin somehow sneaks into the first round, right? Like just out yeah. of nowhere. Calvin Austin goes to Kansas City at the I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but something crazy will happen and people will lose their mind, right? Isaiah Spiller, per Cody's mock, he gets drafted ahead of Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker for some strange reason. And then their 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 enth- their hype builds back around them. And then I'd sell the shit out of the rights to that pick. I'd be on the clock and be like, if you want 106 and you you are just that desperate, and I love Drake London. I'm telling you right now, Jay, when I'm sitting on the clock and somebody's offering me, and I know it sounds asinine, but it happens every year on the clock, every year like clockwork on the clock. You're sitting on there and it's 106, 107, and somebody just has to have Jamison Williams, and they'll be like, man, I'm not even thinking about 2024. I'll give you Allen Robinson and a 2024 first-round pick right now for the rights to this pick. I'm trading it, bro. 
Like, I'm trading it. Whereas last year, if I'm staring down the barrel of Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or Najee Harris or Kyle Pitts, bro, you would have to, I would have to buy him out of house and home in order to trade that pick. Like, it wouldn't just be a, a, a tear down and, and a future pick, a tear down and a 2024 second. Like, you'd be coming off multiple first rounders for me to even consider trading out of the rights to a Trey Lance, the rights to a Kyle Pitts. Like, I, I think we can, we can go. I, I just asked a question, right? I asked the question, and, uh, and, and Joe, let me ask you this, Joe, because you here's the thing. Like, let's play the action. I love the fact that she's she's vibing with us this morning. If by some reason Isaiah Spiller snuck into the back of the first or were the first running back drafted, right? We know we love the tape. We also know the limitations because of the athleticism. Like, if if that happened— and he hit a, a, a prime landing spot in round two. Who would you feel better about, man? Like, like realistically, Jay, would you rather have second round pick Isaiah Spiller for the next two to three years, or or Leonard Fournette and a pick on your rosters right I, now? Like, I mean, what, I'd rather, rather have Leonard Fournette if you're giving me like a. I'm assuming you're getting a yes, first at I, least. I'm giving you, yeah, right. The, the rights to Isaiah Spiller, who would be a top if this happened, would be a top end rookie draft pick, or uh, 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 Leonard Fournette and a 2024 first top 12 running back, right? Like you're literally yeah. getting a top 12 running back. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the pick. And I, what's crazy, Ray, is I think you're still selling. Like I think you're still selling at a discount. Like I think taking Leonard Fournette in the first for Spiller in that prime landing spot is probably still lower than what people would actually trade to get him. And but the tr- reality is, is that everyone wants, like you're saying, that shiny new toy. But for me, it's just I, I just can't do it with this class. Like I just. I think that for a long time we talked about how bad it was. And it's not that it's really bad. There's like you said, there's gonna be players that sneak out of it, surprise, all these things. But from an overall perspective, it's just these is this is not the bet that you want to make. And if you have a bunch of 22 picks, you're probably gonna be left holding the bag on a couple guys. You might hit on a few guys, but it's not gonna be like it was in 2020, or it's not gonna be like it could be in 2023 with some really, really elite prospects. Let, and like let, you talked about, you getting those, you're not getting Kyle Pitts at 106. You're not getting Najee Harris at 106. It's just not happening in this class. And, so and it's gonna be tough to figure out how people kind of we are not saying we're just we're 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 going through exercise. Like, here's here. Here's my problem with the fantasy community, man. This is this is this is just my gripe. We think like, uh, how long have y'all been watching football? Like that's that's an honest question. How long have you been playing this game? How long have you been following the draft? Every time we say some shit can't happen, it happens out of nowhere. I'm I nor Joe are saying that he's going to be a first round pick, but he, th- there is a world in which somehow. Some random ass player that you didn't think gets drafted. Mu- we see it every year. Kadarius Tony, every baby. Every year, every year, players that w- us in the fantasy community are like, ah, there ain't no way this could happen. There's no way. Didn't break out. Kadarius no Tony, profile. No breakout. <laughs> oh, that, right. When I was telling people David Bell's not going to be a first round pick, oh, you're out of your mind. He, early age adjusted production, early breakout age. We're talking about David Bell's a third or fourth round NFL draft pick right now. Whereas we're seeing all this stuff about how much we don't like James Cook. And then here comes James Cook looking like a a potential second round pick being drafted Mm -hmm. over all these guys. And speaking of one James Cook, let's just look at where these ancillary players that you're going to spend late first round picks are valued at amongst the community, right? James Cook, Zamir White, 
are sandwiched between Cordell Patterson and Trey Sermon, one spot above Chuba Hubbard, all right? Brian Robinson is valued behind. He's in between Chris Carson and Naheem Hines, only only besting one Gus Edwards and J.D. McKissick in uh, in dynasty value. Tyler Algier in between T- Sony Ma- Michelle and Raheem Mostert. I know this stuff can change. Let me just ask you a question, Jay. Right now, would you rather have Deonta Foreman, the backup running back for the Carolina Panthers, or Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, James Cook? Like, I, I think there's an argument to be made. Give me, give me damn Deonta Foreman ahead of damn Tyler Algier right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, Rashad White being valued in between Daryl Henderson and Melvin Gordon. Uh, uh, where's uh, Isaiah Spiller in between James Conner and Tony Pollard? And then we've got Kenneth Ooh. Walker being valued at RB19 in between David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. And then we do have an elite prospect in Brees Hall who's being valued by the community as RB5 in this class. So when we're just talking about, like, when you're just talking about where people, people, other gamers like yourselves are valuing these guys, like, this is interesting for me to look at. And I'm just thinking, shit, yeah, man, give me, give me four net. Over over second round pick Isaiah Spiller, you know what I mean. And yeah. If I get Fournette in the first, Aaron Jones and and a twenty twenty three second rounder for the next two or three years, like that may be a better bet than than diving into than diving into this twenty twenty two class, especially if your league mates are valuing some of these wide receivers so highly. Right? We're not even going to look at tight ends because it's there's no point. There are no tight ends of. Co- Trey McBride is about all I want in this class. And I, I like Dolchich, but McBride is about all I want. That's about it, man. Um I, I I'm I'm not I'm not buying into I, I am not buying into Jelani Woods. I'm sorry. But w- when we're when we're looking at this, what what do we think? What do we think, Jay, about the running back group? And then we're gonna tie a bow on this whole class and just and just talk about it. So I think where you're right is that in certain spots there, like I'm hearing James Conner, Isaiah Spiller, I think I'm fine with James Conner. But I think towards the end, I'm fine with taking some shots on some of these rookies, right? Because again, it's not coming down to it's not coming down to who which player do you like better. It comes down to what situation do you like better, right? Which one do you think has the better chance? Do you think it's Damian Pierce on his new team, or do you think it's Deontay Foreman as the backup running back in Carolina? Again, it just comes down to situation for me. And so if you want to make that decision in a startup or in a rookie draft. But I think to your point, Ray, you can kind of make some of these small savvy moves to where you trade the rights to the 308 for a backup running back in a situation you really like, but someone else doesn't see the same value in it, right? So that's kind of where I'm at with these picks. And again, it comes down to the, it's more so the high end. And do we want the high end? The low end, you can always take shots. You can always throw darts and and we'll tell you the guys that we like based on situations, draft capital, all those things. But, you know, the top end, and like you're talking about the middle with the James Cooks, Isaiah Spillers, I'm probably out on those I, guys. I'm fine taking shots at the back of the I, draft. I though. think I've learned, I've been, this is year four of me doing content creation, diving into the fantasy game. And honestly, man, and, and, and I'm, I'm toning it down because I think Joe said the realest shit that anybody said in this chat right now. Like she really hit the nail on the head. We're so focused on which players we like. We're so focused on, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. Whereas in reality, it's the profile that matters. And the profile yields draft capital. Now, I'm not saying you have to dynasty that way and maybe you're just like, you don't like the tape. You don't like the 40-yard dash time, so you're out. Like, I just don't like it. I'm out. 
but it doesn't matter what we personally think in our horribly subjectively creative ranks. It doesn't matter. If these guys get the requisite draft capital, it will yield an opportunity. What people fail to realize is the NFL is a fucking business, man. It's a business. And as much as we don't like a player like Corey Davis, uh, you better believe the Jets want to get something out of the millions that they poured into that asset. Regardless if he's good or bad, if he's healthy, he's going to be on the field. Like, that doesn't mean he's going to I'm – not, I'm not advocating for Corey Davis' season. But if a team invests more times than not, and that's why hit rate is not absolute, hit rate is not 100%. But more times than not, when a team invests significant draft capital into a position, they want to get something out of that position. And I'm looking at, yes, I have the, my list of personal players that I like. And that's why before even the combine, I put out my film grade. Before, nobody else is, everybody's putting out rankings now. How, how cowardly is that? After you get all the information and all the smoke screen is out there, your coward ass decides to put out a ranking now after you got all this stuff. I'm just, I looked at him before any of that and say, here's the film. Here's what I like. And I will adjust when not at the combine. Nope. I'm not adjusting after the combine, except for Brees Hall, except for Brees Hall. There are in law, they teach <laughs> in law. They say there are always exceptions to the rule. Brees Hall was an exception to the rule, but I adjusted nobody else. Once I get the most important part, which is draft capital, then I'll adjust. And then I will re-tier, re-rank, and have rankings once we get the draft capital combined with the film score. Um, I'm chasing profiles, not players, you know? Uh, as, as much as I am not a fan of, I don't know, Chris, Chris Olave. Chris Olave. We both said the same thing. I'm not the biggest Chris Olave fan. But if he gets first-round draft capital and he finds a good landing spot, and I have an opportunity to acquire said player... Like, okay, like I'm in. If, I, if I've got to make that selection, I'm not going to go take Calvin Austin, who I like. You know, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, like Calvin Austin, real cool dude, real good off the line of scrimmage. I'm not taking Calvin Austin over, over Chris Olave as a first-round wide receiver. It's the profile, right? It's, it's we're looking for players who what, Jay? Have an opportunity to get an opportunity yep. to score us fantasy points. I'm not a big Desmond Ritter fan. We all know that. But damn it, if he somehow winds up as a top half first round pick and I'm on the clock and I've got to make a selection and I'm and it's a super flex league. I mean, I'm looking at him like, damn. And I really don't want to make I would try to trade the pick, but it's the profiles that we're chasing, man. So many times we get lost in this what do we want? What do we like thing? And then you get burned. You get absolutely, you get you get burned. I'm fine with taking shots on guys you like, middle of round three, round four, get your guy. You know what I'm saying? Like that late, and what I tell everybody, my philosophy personally, Jay, is when you're looking at late round dart throws, I don't give a shit about the profile. The profile is 100% broken somewhere. That's why they are day three NFL draft picks, and that's why we're valuing them as third and fourth round rookie picks. Somewhere the profile is broken, whether they didn't get enough carries, Damian Pierce, whether they're a little undersized, Calvin Austin, whether they, whatever the case may be, you know, they're not as athletic, whomever that is. There's a reason why the profile is broken. So in those cases, I'm leaning on, whether it's my film score, whether it's Jordan Backus and something he told me from the, from the data side, like I'm leaning into just an aspect of said player. But in the top half of rookie drafts in the first round, 
second round. I'm leaning on profiles. I, you know, Zamir White, another one of these guys. Two AC like in any other class. Why would we like this dude had two ACL tears? And I know Frank Gore did it, but Frank Gore's a zombie. Like he's he's honestly he's the living Walking Dead. Frank Gore somehow he was able to play running back in the NFL for twenty years and just continue to power through multiple ACL tears. But that's the that's the that's the outlier, not the norm. In any other year, we're not look, we're looking at James Cook. Like man, I don't really want James Cook. But damn it, if he gets drafted in the second round and he's going to get opportunity, how can you fade that, right? Now, the whole point of this show is you should because these guys suck, right? They're not that good. You put these guys in any other class from uh, from the past three, four years, and they don't sniff a candle. 2017, Christian McCaffrey. 2018, Saquon Barkley and company. 2019, David Montgomery, DK Metcalf. 2020, you already know Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, 2021, Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and then 2022, Malik Willis, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Drake London, and even the wide yeah. receivers. So many question marks around. No, there's no, there's no consensus anywhere. Anywhere is Garrett Wilson too small? Is Drake London just contest a catch? Can Traylon Burks run a slant? Is Jamison Williams a one-year wonder? Like, unlike any year that I've been a part of this. There's just so much uncertainty around this class, how the NFL is valuing it. And as we get closer to the draft, seems like Kenny Pickett to Carolina ain't happening. I don't even know if Malik to Carolina is happening. They're talking about Baker Mayfield. And then where does Kenny Pickett fall? And then Sam Howell and Matt Corral. And who knows what the order. Uh, Cody's saying there's a chance that Dan Brees Hall's not even the first running back off the board. Like, what? Are, why are we into this? Why? Jay, I'm asking you. I think the problem is, like you said, right? It's it's people don't do a good enough job to remove the subjectivity and opinion from said evaluation, right? So Jasmine was talking in the chat about how, why are we saying that I like this profile by and I like this player? It's kind of the same thing. But the difference is, is that the profile is you're taking a lot of the bias out of it. Yes, a yeah. film score can be biased, but you can add analytics that are completely, uh, they're completely objective, right? It's comparing these stats, their percentile scores, these various things that we know factor into evaluation and success in the NFL level. When we're talking about, do you like this guy? It's like, okay, I watched his film. I saw the highlights. He looks good to me, you know, like anyone can look at Christian Watson and be like, oh, yeah, like that's an NFL wide receiver. And and this is the problem with some people is that that's what they do. They may watch the film, but if you're watching a guy playing Division two, he should be dominating. But if you don't necessarily know he's Division two and you're not really factoring that in, that's where just saying that you like a guy can put him far ahead of where he probably should be. And so for me, I think that's where profiles are important, you know, talking about level of competition, talking about how do they produce, talking about all the various things that you can calculate objectively to build a profile for a player. And lots of people do this. They do it every day. There's lots of people who only build profiles and give you hit rates and probabilities based off those things instead of having all the subjectivity that's involved. And that's really different between the analytics and the film community is you have the analytics community that's all in on profiles. And then you have the film community that's in a lot of ways just on the film. And that's where they butt heads all the time. But you need to be looking at complete profiles that combine film and analytics and to me, that's where you're betting on a profile of a player over just saying you like a player, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to, like Jasmine said, you're going to be wrong evaluating players on your own. Take the guys you like. You can do that. Take the guys you want. Like, you like uh, John Mechie and you want to take him in the first round? Be my guest and be shitty at Dynasty, right? And there are people who are going to do that. Like, I like John Mechie. I'm taking him in the first round. He got drafted by New England in round two. He's a first-round pick. Christian Watson, his RAS score was higher than Calvin Johnson. I like Calvin. I, I, you know, I think he can be the next Cal. There's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. All What we like to do is just talk theory. Let's just talk through everything. This is not just agree with the consensus, be pie in the sky. The reality is a lot of these guys are going to fail, um, and some of them are going to hit. And some of the guys that hit may be players that we're not talking about. Maybe it is an Alec Pierce. Maybe it is a Jalen Tolbert. Maybe it is Brian Robinson. Um, you know, and, and I saw somebody else because I talked about not moving stuff after comp. It, it Some things are just common fucking sense, man. Brees Hall goes out there and goes ballistic. Yes, the film between him and Isaiah Spiller was so close, you move him up. Kyron Williams was so god-awfully bad. Like, yes, he moved down a tier or two based on, like, like true actual data. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not look at that and be like, dude, this was so freaking bad. Like, I'm just gonna keep him right here. He just moved down a tier. Uh, but I'm not making wholesale changes after, after a combine or a pro day, which I've made none, you know, really in the wide receiver realm. Maybe a couple of guys moved up a tier or here. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. My, how was Justin Jefferson's profile? Was he pushed down your board because of profile? Oh, I love Justin Jefferson. No, we were, we were, we were pretty. The thing with Justin Jefferson was, it was a lack of early production. Maybe maybe she's not talking to us. Maybe it's something in the chat. I don't know. She might not be talking about us. Maybe I don't know what's going on in the chat, but yeah, that's that's just our reason why our reason why we I don't even think we're advocating for it, but we want to have the conversation around selling out uh, of this 2022 class. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, Jazz. No, no, no doubt. I don't think she was talking to us, but we we did have Justin Jefferson quite high. The receipts are safest yeah, J- wide receiver in, there, in J- the NFL class. Yeah, yeah. Jay Rich actually put a video out pre pre draft. It said. He is the the safest wide receiver. Like that is on wax from. And who did I who did I say this year was? And you laughed at me. Do you remember? Who did you say? Chris Olave. Oh boy, and there it is. What a show! Um, I again, these are not the opinions of my own. These are the opinions, courtesy of Keith Craig Cut, your dynasty contemporaries, who have these guys valued at places that just don't make you feel good but it's just a conversation man and i I look at all these let me just ask y'all before we get out of here what's a good rankings engine because i think there's so much bias in all of this shit right like i've worked for some of these companies that outsource adp and they do like four mocks and then they come up with adp right and then we do ours in our own community and we do a ton of mocks, but there's bias because of how we kind of view players. I don't know what player profiler does and how they go mm-hmm. about their rank. Like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, BDGA, whomever, right? It's just all subjective bullshit. And yeah. the reality is the only thing that we do, we spend all this time talking about these guys, figuring out who we like. And the NFL draft is going to tell us everything we need to know for the most part on how we should be valuing um, these players. So, Jay, are you, I'm asking the final question, are you selling out of the 2022 class? And if so, where's your cutoff point? 
Uh, cutoff point, I would say, is probably about 106. I think I could probably find six prospects I like in this class, depending on draft capital. But uh, yeah, you know me, I've already sold out. I don't have any picks this draft. Like, maybe in two or three leagues I got picks. But um, I think that's part of what we do, is we evaluate beyond simply the class right in front of us. And we evaluate to 2023 and 2024. And so knowing that, I got ahead of it last year, right? Um, moving some of my picks last year to get some high-end prospects in 2021. So I don't have a ton of picks, but if it was up to me, I would probably be selling because more than likely, not more than likely, I probably only want five or six players in this draft class. And after that, I'd be happy to move them for 23 and beyond. So 106 is your cutoff point in this draft class? 106? I think so, yeah. I think we'll see I think we'll see two or three wide receivers I like, probably two running backs, and then one quarterback, right? And yeah. there's your six. I think I'd do the same thing. After about 106, 107, I wouldn't mind trading out of the first, grabbing a couple of thirds or a fourth, and then a future first, you know, in 2023, 2024, and then take those dart throws on Pierre Strong, take a dart yep. throw on Kevin Harris, Keontae Ingram. Fill up that taxi squad, right? Just fill up that taxi squad with late-round dart throws that if they get an opportunity in preseason, you can flip them for seconds or third-round picks. But I think I'm with you, man. Uh, I don't have to – I don't – I like George Pickens. I don't have to have him. I like Jahan Dotson. Don't have to have him. Christian Watson. Don't have to have him. Olave. Don't really have to have him. Uh, even my man Traylon Burks. Love him. Wide receiver two on film. Do not have to have him uh, walking out of this rookie draft class for me. Um, honestly, it's Brees. It's Kenneth Walker. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Drake London. Maybe JMO. That I just yeah, Jamo is the one that I think has a better yeah. shot, right? And then top top that, ten, top fifteen wide receivers are I the guys Corral, I'll be targeting for sure. Don't need to have them. I'd be willing to pivot off yep. the Corral for Davis Mills and some first round uh, first round pick. I'd be fine with that pivot. So we'll talk about reasons why we should be buying the class. It's not all negative, Nancy. Uh, I promise you, Joe nor myself are advocating for Isaiah Spiller to be first round picks. And I just appreciate the thought engaging conversation. Um, I hope Jasmine didn't yell at you all too much in the chat. Um, and uh, there, there she is right on cue. Uh, ignore you how. I don't know what Jasmine's talking about, but we love y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tapping into the show. If you enjoyed the content, if you're first time here, hit the subscribe button, thumbs up, engage in the comments, let us know. Are you selling out of the 2022 class? Y'all have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow. And Mike A, we're going to talk more NBA, damn it, at the beginning of the show. More NBA at the beginning of the show because that's what we like. But we appreciate y'all tapping in. Don't let Jasmine bully you all. Be great. We out. Peace. Peace.